the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining the conversation. This is the show where we do our very best three times a week to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stonlicker. I am your host today. And today we are going to be talking about the Supreme Court. Now, if you are anything like me, you've been excited about the Supreme Court disappointed in the Supreme Court. (laughs) Hopefully over the last couple of weeks, uh, you have regained your faith and confidence in the Supreme Court. Uh, So many things have come out recently in the last couple of weeks, so many good decisions, uh, decisions that I honestly, I was hoping for, but didn't expect. Two of the biggest ones related to Roe v. Wade, which we've talked an awful lot about, and then uh, gun control. And we're going to talk about both of those things today. Uh, There is so much disinformation around all of these decisions. And depending on whether you're on the right or on the left, whether you are conservative or liberal, whether you're pro this or anti that, you're going to have a feeling about the decisions that are made. And this is one of the problems. When we are caught up in a 24-hour news cycle and we're all connected to social media, we take our opinion about what is happening from people that may or may not understand it. Uh, And honestly, that's been a struggle for me to really understand what's taking place as it relates to these decisions. The Roe v. Wade decision, such an important decision. If you care about life, such an important decision to you. But what does it actually mean? What do these other things mean? And uh, so grateful today to be able to have on with us a guest we've had in the past, uh, someone whose voice I have come to really trust on uh, this issue and so many other issues, so knowledgeable in this uh, area. Our guest today is, once again, Ron Coleman. Grateful to have back on with us today, Ron Coleman. If you have not heard our previous uh, episodes, go back and check those out. But Ron is a lawyer, journalist, an expert on the First Amendment and intellectual property rights, and uh, really understands this world better than anyone that I personally know. And uh, Ron, thank you so much for coming back on the Supreme Court. Uh, the decisions coming out and the reaction to those decisions is overwhelming. <laughs> and you're one of the very few people that I know that can break this down for us. So thanks for coming on and talking about it. I can try. My pleasure. Uh, let's, let's start with this. I, I would just get your, I would love to get your opinion or view on the Supreme Court just broadly. How would you characterize the Supreme Court? I think a lot of us, me for sure, three months ago, said, man, they've been so disappointing. They haven't come through the way that we thought they would. We thought they were more conservative than they are. The last week has completely turned that ship around, for me at least. How would you characterize the Supreme Court as it is today? It is certainly a pretty seriously yeah. split court, as much as, as much as any Supreme Court in my lifetime. It is, uh, on the other hand, you do have... V- 
a very interesting middle. I mean, you can count on Breyer, and I, I imagine going forward on Jackson. <clears throat> I don't know. Actually, I don't know about Jackson. I have yeah. no idea how she's going to vote. Um, but I do know that, you, you know, until now you've been able to count on Breyer and Sotomayor for the most yeah. off-the-wall, dependably left-wing yeah. takes. Um, Breyer's off the wall because he seems to have a very fervid imagination about what his job is. Um, Sotomayor because she's very ideologically driven and it's amazing how comfortable she is and Breyer does this also. Ignoring legal issues and saying, but here's here's why this would be sad or here's why this would be uh, you know, uh, harmful, and and that's not that's yeah. a policy making job, which is not right. the ju- judge's job. Then you know, on the right, obviously, Clarence Thomas sometimes gets to be in the majority. He's still writing uh, a lot of concurrences because he's he's out there. He's sort of the Federalist Society's dream. Uh, you know, he wants he wants to take things a lot further. I think it's a bit of an overstatement. Some of this. Headlines I've seen to some analyses that say it's, this is now yeah. Thomas's court. Yeah. It's not Thomas's court. He's he's, he's not in the, he's not in the driver's seat. Uh, and I do think that the you know Roberts is obsessed with with consensus and with incrementalism, mm. and, and I don't think that is to his credit. And today there was a surprise, a surprise in the direction of uh, you know of the the administration wanting to turn around a Trump administration policy. I haven't read the opinion yeah. yet. It just came out a little while ago. But it's not always, you know, it's not, you, you do have these guys in the middle, just as, um, you know, uh, Kavanaugh did in, I'm sorry, not, it wasn't Kavanaugh, it was, um, oh, Kavanaugh, I mean, I think it's turning out to be pretty dependently conservative, actually. But um, Gorsuch's opinion in, the Title VII case a few months ago, or was that last year already? Yeah. It was last year. That was that was crazy, and I, that's that was the reason that you started out saying, as you did. Uh, I don't see how the Supreme Court, uh, you know, what, what Trump yeah. accomplished. On the other hand, this month, this month of which yeah. this is the last day, has been has been a real uh, barn burner. Uh, it's been encouraging to me as a conservative um, and someone who put a lot of hope in the court and. Really, when you look no at one Trump's told you you're conservative. Who told me? Who said I'm going on a conservative show? <laughs> I like to I like to drop that in in the middle of the interview. It's all I always get a better reaction. A lot more energy comes out of that. Um, I, I think if you look at this isn't NBC, MSNBC, <laughs> and if you look at President Trump's legacy, really what he touted, what a lot of us believed, if we get nothing out of this, nothing else out of this thing, what we got was the court. And man, it's been so disappointing to me. Until, like you said, this month. And the most important decisions for me, guns, Roe, um, the EPA is an important one, I think, long term. But, but those two have been the most important one. And then the, the, the ruling for the coach who said, you know, they said he can pray in a public school. I mean, that's when it comes to religious freedom, that's a very important decision. There were, yes. On the First Amendment, the court continues to be very consistent, very consistently uh, Absolutist. I mean, less so on on religious freedom than on freedom of speech. Right. But uh, remember, there was also the um, the Boston what is the Shirtloff, the Boston 
uh, flag, City Hall flag case, which mm-hmm. I discussed with Michael Knowles on my, um, on my show this week, which, you know, I think is, is pretty important because it, it, it is beginning the process of pulling down the, what had been established in the 20th century as a separation between church and state, which was right. really not in the Constitution, strictly speaking. I yeah. mean, it, it was a there was a very strong consensus in favor of it, but I think to some extent we've seen where that's gotten us. And then we also had uh, the school the school funding case out of Maine was very important. You can discriminate ag- against private schools by not funding them at all if you're a state. Maine, being a, mm. a rural state has to fund, they believe as a matter of policy that they need to fund private schools or provide money for parents who send their kids to private schools because Maine is so rural that yeah. they can't establish enough public schools. They said, well, not if it's a sectarian school, though. And the Supreme Court said, why? Yeah. What? And it was, in, it, was, it was fascinating when the First Circuit upheld the trial court's view, which was that they, they could discriminate on that basis because... Those of us who were familiar with the you know, fairly recent Supreme Court precedent on the issue, it seemed rather straightforward. And as the majority decision said in that case, there's really very little that's new here. But it's still important because that makes now three cases in a row where the Supreme Court has said discrimination. Uh, the First Amendment does not require discrimination against religion. Just, in, just endorsement of or... Mm. Uh, or discrimination against a particular religion. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of clarity has come out, and hopefully this will hold. We'll see. But you know what hasn't, right? You know, Jeremy, what, what there has been no clarity about? The leak. The leak. As you know, our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Now Mike has done it again by introducing his My Slippers. For a limited time, you will save $90 on a pair of my slippers. This blowout sale of the year won't last, so order now. Mike has taken two years to develop the my slippers, and they are designed to wear both indoor and out all day long. Made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue, they are also made with quality leather suede. Call 1 800 870 0283. Use the promo code SITREP or go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code SITREP. This offer will not last long, so order now with promo code SITREP at MyPillow.com. So let's let's talk about all things uh, Roe v. Wade, because really that is probably the most significant. I, I, well, let me back up. You can correct me on this. I think it's the most publicized, um, overblown decision, perhaps. I don't know that it's the most significant, honestly, long-term. I think uh, the long-term effect of this may be different than what it's being purported to be. But uh, certainly the one we've all been waiting for and the one as uh, someone that values life, um, I'm very thankful for. Um, I just don't know exactly where this takes us. Uh, Let's talk about the Roe decision. Maybe you can start with this, though, because a lot of people have talked about how Roe was based on a faulty premise, and it was a bad decision in the first place. We've held on to it for 49 years. It's been overturned. It should have been overturned 48 years ago, probably, because of what it was based on. Can you explain some of that? We've heard that. I don't exactly fully grasp what that, uh, you know, what they're talking about there. 
Sure. Um, you know, my wife is also a lawyer, and she and she went to Stanford Law School. Where they had pretty good law what, professors. What's that like for two people to be married who are also are both lawyers? Is that is that a rough life, or is that? <laughs> it is a highly it is a highly dialectical environment, <laughs> and our kids do talk funny. Uh, yeah. Sure. And, but, you know, it, you know what? It is important. We, we both value being able to understand and to be able to be understood by our spouse, our respective spouses. Right. Um, but, you know, there are lawyers and there are lawyers. And like I said, my wife went to Stanford Law School. She's super smart. And she told me years ago that her con law professor, who was, she was, it was Stanford. It wasn't the Hoover Institution. It was the law school. Right. Was a left winger. She said, Roe, you know, I'm happy how Roe came out, but this is not good. This is not good judging here. This is not well written decision. Mm. It's not a well reasoned decision. We started out a few years before that. It was more than a few years ago, where the Supreme Court determined that based on what it called the penumbras and the penumbras and emanations of the enumerated rights in the Constitution, there was a right of privacy. That there was a federal constitutional right of privacy. And that was used as a basis for um, for upholding, for holding up, uh, no, for striking down, actually, uh, a law in Connecticut, this was the Griswold case, um, that prohibited the sale of contraceptives. And the court said, no, that's between a woman and her doctor. It's a zone of privacy. And even though there's no language in the Constitution protecting privacy, this is part of it. Now, that's kind of an interesting call because there is something called the Fourth yeah. Amendment, which does protect privacy. And you think if they mm. were going to – Fourth Amendment, of course, protects against unlawful searches and seizures. You think if they wanted to talk more about privacy, that would be where they would have put it. But judges were had already gotten pretty accustomed to making stuff up at this point, and they were to get more accustomed by 1973 – when the argument was made that laws prohibiting abortion uh, should also be struck down because they they interfered with the privacy between a woman and her physician. And that gave justices a hat on which to hang their their ruling. Um, The problem is you're taking an unwritten judge made judge judge discovered um, constitutional right which is the right of privacy and now you're building on a two things are happening right you're building on it to a a new kind of right of privacy and secondly you are you are um, ignoring the life interest or any kind of interest of the fetus right right what happens then is there's a lot of language in Roe versus Wade about viability. And the justices, including the Republican justices who voted in favor of Roe versus Wade, including Chief Justice Berger, uh, made it very clear, you know, this, this is not meant to be an, an abortion on demand any, anyway, any time uh, kind of decision. That's not what this is about. Uh, but there were no real limiting principles in Roe or on the mm. Supreme Court. So then in the subsequent case, of uh, the Casey case, basically any law affecting abortion. And, that, and what happens uh, amazingly is that this, there's this accretion of law around abortion rights that not only makes it 
not only retains it as a, as an, a constitutional right, but yeah. encrusts it with all these subsidiary rights, like the right not to be shouted at when mm-hmm. going to an abortion clinic. Right. And right. You know, all kinds of things that, you know, would have, you know, these all these uh, angels dancing on the head of a pin kind of laws. Yeah, where, sure. You know, how sure. 12 feet away is OK. 14 feet away is not. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. It was a bad idea. Well, in fact, I mean, what it also stood for in many respects was the court saying. As it would continue to say throughout the end of the 20th century, uh you know, reaching its high point, or if you will, its low point, and the Obergefell decision, which struck down laws, didn't struck down laws prohibiting same-sex marriage. That it required states to have to to permit or to recognize, yeah, recognize same-sex. Yeah, the court simply decided we would like this is what we'd like to see. The states are doing it wrong, yeah. So we're going to fix the problem. That's not yeah. how the Constitution and the Republic are supposed to work. Yeah. Um, so the ruling then overturns Roe and the entire left establishment loses their mind. The president says that he's going to uh, encourage the Senate to reinstitute filibuster so they can they can ensconce this in our law. Uh, what actually happened when when this decision was made? Fact, functionally, practically. What did this actually do? It um, enabled the Democratic Party to raise a lot of money uh, and plan right. parenthood. Uh, as a practical matter, what it did was it made legal every law, presumptively legal, every law in any state limiting the right to an abortion. Yeah. It did not make abortion illegal where it had previously been um, legal. It only said that if you want to make it legal in your state and there's a law that says it's illegal or that it's illegal up to a certain time or under certain circumstances, go to the state house because the federal courts are not going to be the place where this is decided. Now, some people have asked... Is the inevitable litigation that is going to come up under these decisions going to be heard in federal courts? It would seem to me the answer will be no. I mean, I think there will be judges who will entertain it. They're going to try. Uh, certain you know, dependable blue judges in dependable blue yeah. districts will do their, de- their dependable silly thing. But the Supreme Court has spoken. There is no federal constitutional right, and it doesn't seem to me that the that any federal court has anything to say about it. Now, how we end up dealing with statutes that in any way refer to abortion rights, provision of abortion rights with respect to provision of certain benefits or funding, that might end up in federal court, I guess, because those are federal statutes. So what has happened right now, not much, but things are going to definitely start happening in the next few months. It's politically a gift for the Democrats, only in the sense that it helps them rally the troops. I don't believe it moves anyone who is already... Yeah. I mean, at this point, there are really very few people who haven't made up their mind on these issues. Right. In my opinion. When, when I look at um, these decisions, so 
I, I like to personally look at the science. So science can demonstrate viability at some point. But as a person of faith, I also take the position that life begins at conception. I think these two things are getting closer and closer, right? I think science is getting closer to an understanding of viability is much earlier than it was previously understood, certainly when Roe went down. Um, the, the Supreme Court of the United States, the federal government, has a responsibility to protect life, to defend life. And I, I think that's, for most people that would be pro-life, uh, that would be the position. Why is that not the consideration that is made by either the Supreme Court or anyone else in the federal government? The fact that we could talk about heartbeat laws, we could talk about all these other things, but why is that not the discussion? Why is it an all or nothing conversation? Because legally that doesn't make sense to me. Well, all right, let's start with this. I'm pretty sure that there are very few states where causing the death of a fetus is considered to be murder. Right. There are some jurisdictions where it has been, where prosecutors have employed that um, charge and, and, and where they've tried to. But as a general rule, most of, most of the common law, most of the Anglo-Saxon common law tradition, uh, the Bible is a little bit ambiguous on this. Um, you know, you know, in the in the in the in the Old Testament, as you call it, there is a ref- a reference to the damages that have to be paid f- by someone who strikes a woman and causes a fetus to die. He's not treated as a murderer; he's treated as someone who has committed mm-hmm. a crime and someone who has to make compensation, but not right. as a murderer. So, the re- short answer to your question is: all these poor things are almost besides the point unless and until we recognize that birth, m- not just viability, but birth is a false criterion for protection. Mm. That we, it, because Democrats have gone, to, and, and I saw some really good memes on this, because sure. Democrats and, and have gone so far ab- in their in their elevation of abortion to a sacrament, and I think it was Rush Limbaugh right. who first put it that way. Sure. Um, they maintain because there's no limiting principle for them to do otherwise that the right to abortion exists right up until the moment of birth. Right. And that was the the bill that Joe Biden tried in his not Joe Biden that um, Chuck Schumer tried to get passed by the Senate. When the leak when the leaked opinion came out, yeah, yeah, that's sick. Okay? That's yes. sick. And you don't have to be a, a you know um, a, a neonatologist or a gynecologist or a, or an obstetrician to recognize that there's something absolutely disgusting and horrible about the idea mm. that you that just by virtue of labor not having begun, you can murder what is definitely a child. So I don't want to have the right. argument about whether or not. So a, a, a human life is a human life at five months, four months, six months. Sure. If you so we're living in a world where tens of millions of people at least claim to be comfortable with killing babies and then doing anything right. they want with those babies, as long as they haven't actually exited the womb. 
Right. That's not a legal problem. That's a cultural, a psychological, of course, of course, a spiritual problem. So of course, that's why we're having the argument. The Europeans, as you've heard a million times by now, th- there's nowhere else in the world besides I think China, North Korea, and maybe Israel, uh, which is not run according to Jewish religious principles, um, right. where you can have an abortion uh, pretty much on you know with with no questions asked at any time. Most of uh, I think pretty much all of Europe doesn't permit it after a certain amount of months because you've got to draw the line somewhere and they're drawing the line at a point where they're saying this is too much like a human. I'm not saying it is a human, yeah. they're saying. So that's where we are. We, I mean, backing yeah. out of that world is going to be t- tough for us, but maybe not as tough as we think because really it is forcing people with these, you know, with these sob stories uh, about restrictions to you know what will happen or what might have happened or what did happen when there were restrictions to abortion to acknowledge that those stories very very seldom have anything to do with the absolutist approach that's being demanded and the point is the democrats are politically and institutionally unable to ever agree to a moderation of any position Correct. In order That's right. To, so you might say, well, listen, we're not going to get this back. But listen, I bet we could pass in the Senate a first trimester abortion yeah. right. And I'm not sure, by the way, that the federal government can or cannot vote such a right. Maybe it can. Maybe it can just like it, it, voted, it, it, it voted the Civil, Ro- you know, the Civil Rights Act was in 1964. Mm. It's possible in Section, uh, you, know, sec- you know, Title seven, uh, Title 19, so Title 17. The point is they, pro- they probably would get enough you know, soft Republican votes to pass that bill. Right. They can't. They can't agree to any limitation because, just like everything else, acknowledging you know acknowledging same sex marriages means you've got to acknowledge men who say that yeah. they're women. So right, they, that's that's their problem, and that's our problem. I think the biggest demonstration of what you just said for me that abortion is a sacrament. There is no moderation. There is no discussion. It's an all or nothing is the fact that in states that will continue the legal process of abortion, like California, I live in California, Los Angeles, huge riots because of this decision, the Supreme Court decision. And our governor here has said that not only is he going to protect the right of abortion, he's going to expand <laughs> access to that. It, it, it has nothing to do with that decision. It has everything to do with uh, an absolute belief that at any point, at any time, for any reason, this is my right to do this. And it's, you're right. It's, it's, Let me suggest it's to you that it actually doesn't even have anything to do with that. It has to do with a political calculation that taking a strong stand against the Supreme Court is one of the few things on which all Democrats can unite right now. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we have seen consistently that the... Th- the policies that Democrats advocate for and, f- and are often the most um, militant about, they really couldn't care less about. They, sure. w- what they care about is v- funding votes power. So this has been identified as an issue that their most active donors and most militant activists can get behind and raise funds on and try to appeal to the soccer moms who they believe 
want to see you know want to see this absolute absolute it has nothing to do with believing in anything they don't believe in anything look you know look what's happening to uh, migrants who are being you know uh, murdered by the people who are being enabled by the Biden administration they refuse to close the borders right right belief and, and no one you know, cares sympathy it's right it's so is a position like that of Merrick Garland, who says we're not going to enforce these laws or we would rather not enforce what the Supreme Court says, is that more political posturing? Is he serious about that? And when a decision is made by the Supreme Court, what is the tool that's used if the attorney general of the U.S. says he's not going to enforce those those laws? Impeachment, impeachment, um, but any federal judge is entitled to ask the government in a litigation context why it is not why it is taking the position that it is not following um, a lawful uh, statute or a you know a decision of the Supreme Court and right. there you know that if there are decision there is a certain amount of discretion that's given to the government on those issues, but sooner or later they're going to find a judge who is going to demand an answer. And they're, the, if the answer is we just don't recognize the Supreme Court's ruling, yeah, right. we just don't want to, <laughs> then a judge may very well appoint someone to recognize it for them. Uh, you know, and and, it's, and I imagine it would even be possible for the government to be, to be sanctioned. Now, I don't really know what it means. I mean, to, to some extent, I think it's easy for Mayor Garland to say this because he doesn't really have the ability to do anything about it. Sure. Now sure. he might, in theory, go to uh, Mississippi and get and ask a federal judge to strike down an abortion law. Um, but that's you know, yeah. Have have fun, man. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's uh, it's easy to talk when there's nothing you can actually actually do. I think so. Um, what is the significance of the leak? You mentioned that uh, earlier. It's obviously significant. What long term impact will that have? And the fact that we don't know who it is or what's even been done about it. It um, the long term impact. I think is pretty n- trivial. Uh, I mean, it does. It does affect the way business is done on the court, uh, and within the halls of the court, there's going to be a lot more control, a lot more vetting, a mm-hmm. lot more um, maintenance, a lot more. Um, uh, what is it called? Um, surveillance. Mm-hmm. Edit that out for me. That the brain, brain freeze moment. Uh, a lot more <laughs> surveillance. Yeah, and the thing is, the Supreme Court clerkship, which somebody put at tremendous risk, along with his or her career, mm. to leak this, um, is such a valuable plum. I mean, the bonuses alone that are paid to Supreme Court clerks for to, you know to join to join an elite law firm are phenomenal. Mm. Maybe not for an investment banker, for certain, but for a lawyer, they certainly are. Right. Um, they're going to have to put up with whatever is imposed on them by the new security and and uh, you know monitoring regime that's going to have to be put in place. Right. Because if they don't like it, there there's going to be plenty of highly highly qualified people 
Now, if the person who did it, I think it's possible that we will, I think it's likely actually that we will find out who did it, and that person will become a major fundraiser and speaker. Uh-huh. Uh, but that will go, that'll, I think, evaporate pretty fast. And, you know, what happens next, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at least as important, frankly, are the fact that Merrick Garland, who really turns out to be a truly awful person, <laughs> has stood by while illegal, um, you know, <coughs> illegal demonstrations meant to intimidate the justices have been organized mm. and encouraged <clears throat> by politicians in office uh, in the Democratic Party, done nothing about it. <coughs> Garland has taken... Is learned from uh, Eric Holder, another gangster and fixer, that anything a Democrat does while in the position of Attorney General is free. It's a free free card. Yeah, free get, get out of jail card. Get out of anything card. There'll be no investigation. Uh, you know, Trump administration officials can ignore subpo- can't ignore subpoenas, but Eric Holder can. Right. Right. That's just how it goes. I mean, that you know, yeah. uh, you he listened to Jesse Kelly, you know, and and, and these hard edge guys like this that saying, you know, got to recognize what we're up against. Right. Understand the the landscape, and with that, how do we regain the high ground in uh, the culture war around abortion? I this is one of my frustrations is that I don't feel like we have done a good job articulating. You don't feel high. Yeah, not at all. You look I, I high. feel high sometimes, but you not, sound uh, high. not not as it relates to the culture war. Um, I, and and it, I feel like we have done a horrible job of articulating clearly why it's wrong. And, and again, to even say it is crazy, but why it's wrong to kill babies, why it's wrong to pursue an abortion on demand policy, why it's a good thing to ask questions about when life begins. We've done a horrible job of that, and, and largely I think we've lost it in culture because kids have been raised with this and an understanding that this is normal and this is okay. How do we regain the high ground on this? Well, first of all, we have the high ground. Mm. We have the high ground because it is the high ground. It is a morally superior right. position. Um, I'm not talking about my personal conduct or my character, yep. but not being in favor of absolute abortion anytime, anyplace is yep. the moral position. There, I, I do think that there has been a lot of poor marketing on it. It is not, you know, it's, it's ironic because such a large percentage of Americans do not attend church anymore or, mm-hmm. or go to regular yep. religious worship. Right. And yet, um a very large percentage of Americans also don't think that abortion up to uh, yeah. birth is acceptable. Therefore, the you know what has been a very familiar trope from the left, which is that this is an, an, a theological decision that this is driven by right. religion, right? Right is is really just preposterous. It's not yeah. religious people who who are. I mean, yes, religious people are included, but it is humane people. It is people who are humane and human who want to see some, yeah. you know, yeah. so I, I do think that what we have to do is, I, I think, for example, referring to killing babies is a loser. 
because you know going back to one of my you know my original long winded answer on this they're they're not really babies until they're babies and without staying you know without talking about how young a baby uh, you know a fetus can be before being born we're going to lose if we call it baby killing i think we have to talk about the humanity of the preciousness of of of, of life mm. and what is one of the things that's really disturbing is how many people there are who are really, really committed to animal rights. Right, right. Who are not committed to the rights right. of a fetus in the womb. Who, right. See, I, and I also, don't, I also don't like, as, as a polemic, polemical matter, the term potential human life. Mm. Like, to me, that's, that's too far in the other direction. It, it's, sure. it, it is a life of a, of a very human nature, Right. That exists right then. I mean, we're not, you know, under most circumstances, going to equip it with all the legal and social and psychological accoutrements of being a, of being a born person for all kinds of, I think, rather obvious reasons. But hmm. it's much more than potential, and it's, but it's you know, but it's something less. And again, going back to what works polemically and rhetorically, than a baby. You know, you just you lose people at that. But I do. I think if we remind people about their humanity, right, and you know, what what unrestricted abortion has done to American culture, yeah, it, both in terms of you know the the promotion of hookup culture, where abortion mm. is just treated as a form of contraception, mm. right, and the respect for human life. And let's not even get into what goes on at Planned Parenthood, you know, the, the, sure. you know, the, the abortion industry. So right. there's a lot, I think, there's a lot we can talk about. But, you know, I guess at this point your question is, the relevance of your question is, what are the various states going to do? And let's face it, all the, all the wise um, rhetoric, rhetoric and polemics in the world are not going to change what happens in New York, California. Sure. You know, all the blue states are going to, you know, and they're going to, Offer their taxpayers money for people to come and have abortions, but I mean, yeah. that's that's not that's not going to really. Like and by, by the way, as soon as those programs get set up, I I would encourage everybody to apply for them, whether you're pregnant or not, and then see the basis on which they discriminate in mm. turning you down for a free trip to California. Or, Interesting, uh, because first of all, who's to say you're a, a man? And number two, who's to say <laughs> we have that so you, many problems? Right, you don't identify as pregnant. And who's to say yeah. that, you know, so, you know, I think there'll be a lot of rock and roll on, on that nonsense. It's, but it's all play acting. It's all street theater. It's all just meant to, you know, to, to please the, the leading, loud, screaming, gross edge. So much more we could talk about there. I, this is, to me, a very, very important issue. I, I think probably if I had to lay all the issues out, this is at the top of the list, the most important issue because of the value of life and the importance that has to everything else that we do, even end of life care. All of it is tied together. Um, but yes. uh, another another That's important decision, uh, another important decision that came out in your state, um, New York, was the Second Amendment decision, um, first one since I think 2010 of significance, and automatically downplayed by the left. This is not that important. This is not that big of a deal. Um, 
what impact will this decision have? And for those who aren't familiar, maybe you can talk about it a little bit. But what impact for Second Amendment rights will this have across the country? Well, it, it's it's this one's going to have a big impact. I mean, I am speaking to you uh, from Newark, New Jersey, which is oh, New um, Jersey, okay, just across the. But but it, it just yep. does whatever New York does. So your point is, yeah. is well taken. <laughs> um, so in New York, uh, they passed a law. I mean, there have been for years. It's been impossible to you know to to, to get a gun and. They said, okay, finally, even if we give you, a, even if we let you have a license, which is, which we're not going to do, <laughs> right, but if we right. do, you can't take, you can have a gun, but we're, go- we're going to decide that the purpose of having a gun, since the Constitution apparently says we have to let you on some sir, is, <laughs> is to protect yourself in your house. Right. So you can't take it outside. You can't, you can't take it outside. Uh, without a different kind of permit, you know, carry mm. permit. So that was challenged, and it worked. Its, and in, unsurprisingly, the Second Circuit and the courts within it, which are the, the New York federal courts, said, no, that's, that's cool, that's cool. Uh, and it's interesting because the Second Circuit does depart from standard liberalism often, often, mm. but not on gun control. And this went up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said... No, no, no. That, you know, there's nothing in the Second Circuit that says the right to, to I mean, sorry, in the, in the Second Amendment where it says that, you know, the right to bear arms shall not be infringed. That makes it reasonable to mm. limit bearing arms yep. to just inside your house, which is the place where most people spend the least time during most of their day. At least right. pre-COVID, right? Um, bearing arms means holding, holding them, having them. You know, not the right to store arms under the couch, you know, or in your nightstand. And uh, you know, what does it do to a million statutes? Well, first of all, New York and New Jersey and stupid states like these. Uh, and by the way, New York always will be my state. Uh, I was born there, and I. You know, I got this accent there, you know, so that's, okay. that's a mistake you can always make. Um, they're, they're rushing to pass laws, which are eventually going to get struck down, but it just, it's, it's, they, they can't stop themselves. Limiting all the, in other words, just saying, okay, we can't say the whole outside world. Mm, I'm not going to say yeah. the whole outside world, but yeah. not in the shopping mall and not right. on the New Jersey Transit and not in a box right. and not with some um, socks and not with a fox. <laughs> and they will, by a tribe with a thousand, you know, to, to, to cause a death by a thousand cuts uh, yep. of this yep. new ruling. But it gives a tremendous amount of ammunition to somebody who wants to attack these statutes. And, uh, you know, that I think, unlike abortion, is going to – see, the thing about abortion is that the abortion ruling by the Supreme Court really does tend – you know, forget what I said about federal statutes that involve funding. Um, those will be worked out. But by and large, what is permissible or not permissible in abortion regulation is, in my view, not going to be a federal issue for the foreseeable for, – mm. probably for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Guns, however, Supreme Court didn't really, if you'll pardon a pun, fire a, a shot heard around the world because mm. they didn't say 
any regulation of guns is unconstitutional. Sure. So sure. they're going to now have to, and they're not going to want to take this up again. I mean, one of the things that, as you know, that has frustrated Second Amendment advocates, which I don't consider myself to be the biggest, I mean, I'm not particularly knowledgeable about the Second Amendment. Um, I am a symbolic member of the National Rifle Association. I do not have mm. a gun. Um, I would probably would have a gun if it, there weren't so many rings for me to jump through to, to, to get one. Right. Um, but and then I would lose it probably. Um, they're go- the Supreme Court, one of the frustrating things for people who are Second Amendment folks is that they took so long to get to this point because there have been so many, so many cases right. that have come up. But guess what? Correct. By waiting this long, they got a majority. They got a majority they probably wouldn't have gotten five or ten years ago or maybe mm-hmm. even three years ago. And it's only deals with – but, you know, on the other hand, it's true that they didn't clear the decks the way Roe – you know, the, the, the way, um, you know, the abortion ruling did. On the other hand, yeah. they – did land in a you know I, this is far more important than whether an AR-15 is an assault rifle. You know the idea that that yeah. states just you know the, some restrictions are too much, and one of them is that you know you presumptively if you are allowed to have a gun you are allowed to have a gun, and it doesn't right. just mean ha- it's like you know I have gold Krugerrands right they live in my safe deposit box, right. you know it, it's not going to do you any good, so. It's interesting, you know, here, here in California, in order to get a concealed carry permit, you have to demonstrate need. And just this last week, um, our state attorney general reversed that because of the Supreme Court ruling. So now it's a right, and it's always been a right, I guess, but they've restricted that right. Um, and so then they immediately did other things, as you mentioned. We're going to restrict your access to ammunition and magazine and other things. Um, well, and not only but, that, the- but certainly it has an impact. Well, I mean, the, and the fact is also. You know what they did to you know to to defund you know, manufacturers of ammunition right. and gun companies right. and you know that was criminal and of course there's no accountability for that in our system either. Uh, so you know it's what they're doing. It, it, you know politically and socially, they're really counting on essentially unlimited. Tolerance and support for authoritarianism, mm. right? Such that the they're they're willing to invest in that without regard for how much resistance develops among yeah. people who were f- previously quiescent, who are who are, who weren't particularly activists, right? People are getting really pissed off, and I think yes, COVID right. did that, and I think. Yep. Um, you know, a lot of other issues, including street violence, criminal, you know, the, the, this whole, uh, you know, um, Soros prosecutor phenomenon. So yeah. authoritarianism of any kind of systematic nature does not have roots in American uh, political or social life. And I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. But if yeah, it does, I agree. I think people, you and I can be, you know, we'll, we'll be in the camps together and we'll do this, you know, yeah. we'll do it live. <laughs> we'll, we'll gather people around and talk about important issues. They can listen to us talk. Um, I, I think you're right, though. I think people have 
finally awakened to just how far the government will go if we allow them to. And so hopefully the pushback is coming. We'll see. Ron, thank you so much. This is, uh, man, so many big issues at work here and at play. Thank you for your insight. Uh, where can people follow you? I, we bring this up every time, but they need to listen to your podcast and, and read they what do. you write. They really do. Follow me on Twitter. See where it says under, under my chin there, Ron Coleman. At Ron Coleman, that's how you, that's how you, you just look for me. I hit 200,000 followers on Twitter last night. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, that was fun. Uh, awesome. You know, it's. I tell you, my taste is 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 more, you know, more acute. My I smell the gr- the green grass. <laughs> the air is fresher. Um, find me there, and you'll see me posting stuff from the from the Culmination <laughs> podcast, which you know we yeah. had Michael Knowles uh, this week. Uh, he's a great awesome. guest. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me on. Great to great to talk, from yeah. Jeremy. And I hope we see you see see each other again soon. For sure. Ron Coleman, thank you again. Appreciate it. You're welcome. See ya. Many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. We've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Always grateful for Ron's insights. Uh, very thoughtful, very clear, and uh, very, very helpful to me. I hope they are to you as well. This is one of those episodes you are going to want to share with other people. When we talk about getting the insights and perspectives we need, the information perspectives we need to navigate culture, uh, man, these are two big, big issues that will help us to understand how to navigate the culture around us, what's happening, how to see what's happening, how to understand it. And I hope you'll share this out. If you're not yet subscribed to the podcast, make sure that you subscribe. You're listening from somewhere, subscribe there. That would be awesome. And then go over to YouTube. You can find our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube, search for The Situation Report. You'll find our channel there. Great content, an archive of content. Uh, Subscribe, then hit the notification bell. And then from there, you can share out, leave us comments, communicate with us. That would be awesome. Thank you again for watching. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.